You are Locked On Big Ten Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On Big Ten Football Podcast. We're getting to it right now. We're going to talk about Ohio State. What does Ryan Day bring to the table? Jim Harbaugh, has he underachieved? And a season preview of Penn State. So, load it up. I remind you, go to Twillery.com. That's Twillery.com. Use the Locked On promo code. Get $25 off your purchase. And think about this. You can get uh, four shirts for under $200. I'm talking about nice dress shirts. They're soft. You don't have to iron them. You will be set. Go to Twillery.com. That's Twillery.com. Use the Locked On promo code with Chris. Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. I don't want to ask the question, uh, can Ryan Day be uh, better than Urban Meyer? Because goodness gracious, Urban Meyer's had a ton of success. Uh, If not for Nick Saban, probably the most successful coach of this generation. But I will ask you this, how is he different, uh, Ryan Day, from uh, Urban Meyer? And uh, how can he maybe breathe a new life into that program uh, at Ohio State? Well, um, different personalities. Um, you know, he's a grinder. No one grinds. No one's is as tense as Urban Meyer. Um, I mean, he's Nick Saban intense. And but again, everybody's got their own personality. Ryan's a little different. Um, Ryan is, I think, some of the best combinations of Chip Kelly and offensive innovative ideas. See, Urban was a really good offensive coach. But Urban had a sustained philosophy of what he believed in. Um, whereas Ryan, learning under Chip Kelly, is more of an eclectic, evolving offense. Will do things and you know implement things that will take advantages as as defenses adjust to them. He's he's really good with that and. I think he um, has a lot of the, uh, I think, a better feel for the passing game than Urban did. I think Urban's a little bit better in the running game, you know, in the, his understanding. But but I think that what's different is maybe the presence outwardly. I think inwardly we saw a little bit of a taste of it uh, last year when he was um, the interim coach. A little behind the scenes pull the curtains back behind the scenes. I don't know how many people are aware of this, but last year when Urban came back, it, it wasn't quite the same. The issue with Urban was, you know, obviously with the cyst and the, in the brain or near the brain, um, and I forget what they medically call it, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, Ryan took more control of that than people know. Urban was there. He kind of, when he came back, Urban kind of handled more game management and overseed. He was not as involved in the offensive game planning near as much and things. Ryan had that, and Ryan did a lot of things that during the game that made a lot of different adjustments. He had a lot more freedom even when Urban came back last year. So it was a re- – and, that, and that's a big reason why, you know, they were comfortable with him kind of taking over. Now, I, I thought having Urban back helped them because it – it, it took some of the, the, the pressure of Ryan having to be, well, he's the interim coach. He's got to 
do all the media stuff, and he's got to do the play call, and he's got he's got to have other guys delegate on the sidelines to do things that, you know, because now he's got to be the head coach and the play. It, it he, he stabilized things a lot for Ryan, so he could lie Ryan to do it, and then this offseason, Ryan has put the things in place to where he can focus on what he wants to, and obviously have the people in place that he wants to do it. So, um, listen, is he going to be able to hire coaches? As well as Urban, well, I tell you what, off the pretty good start. Look at what he did uh, this past offseason, giving Greg Madison over there. Um, you know, I, I think I think they did some really good things there and, and made some changes that we're going to see how they work out. But I, I think it's done pretty good. Recruiting, Urban was a unbelievable recruiter. Uh, it's early, and we're going to need to give it more of a sample size. But they haven't backed down the bit. We're going to talk a little later about another commitment that Ohio State got um, yet just uh, the last 24 hours that is uh, showing that there's no slowing down in recruiting with Ryan Day. So I, I think it's very, very positive. I think very good offensive coach and seems to be a very good leader. He was a fast track guy. He was a guy that was going to be a head coach somewhere at a pretty big school pretty quickly. And the fact that he's there and it provides some stability Made a lot of sense. Let me also throw this in there. And I know um, this is a big part that went into the decision for Ohio State. Um, they saw in one situation somewhere else, doesn't always necessarily mean it's going to work at your place. They saw how seamless and how positive the transition from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma. And don't think that didn't have a lot of impact into saying, you know what? This is our Lincoln Riley. This is a bright young offensive guy that may even take recruiting up to the next level. He's got great leadership skills. See, there are things that people on the outside don't see when you're not in the building working. And that's always say when people, you know, throw out names for coaching jobs and they're so far out of whack with, who'd be good and who wouldn't. People don't know who's responsible for what and who does what. I think he's got extraordinary leadership skills. I think Ryan Day is going to be outstanding. I, I really think that he's going to do a great job. We need to see. Can't make that conclusion yet, but he's got a great program. He's got familiarity with it. I, I think uh, I think Gene made a made a, a home run hire with him personally. Well, let's let's talk about their latest uh, commitment. They're obviously recruiting really well under Ryan Day. Have missed a beat in, in that regard. Uh, your thoughts on uh, their latest pledge? Yeah, Court Williams, a safety, four-star kid, six feet, six feet, two hundred uh, ten pounds. I think he can play safety, can grow into a linebacker. Um, man, Oklahoma, Tennessee, A and M, Penn State. Um, we're after this kid's from Bellflower, California. Again, I say it and talked about a lot. The, these kids out of California and Ohio State, and Alabama, Clemson, recruiting those kids. Just really good kid there getting out of the West Coast. One of the top, uh, you know, 160 players overall in this 2020 class. Uh, really, really good. Um, they've got now 14 players in their top 300 for this cycle. So, um, again, this recruiting has not dropped a bit and it may be in some areas being ramped up, particularly at, at receivers that they've just added a whole bunch. So another great get for the Buckeyes and Ryan day. 
Yep, certainly a big pickup. Uh, stay tuned. Coming up, is Jim Harbaugh underachieved? A lot of Michigan fans think so. Well, Chris will give us some insight as to what he thinks and what the Michigan administration uh, thinks as well. So that's up next. Also, a season preview of Penn State. Stay tuned. This is your Locked On Big Ten football podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Fooker. You are Locked On Big Ten football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It is your Locked On Big Ten football podcast, and we'll just jump right into it. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, has he underachieved in your mind? Uh, 10, 10, 8, and 10 wins in four seasons there. I think by year four, uh, a lot of people thought that uh, it was such a natural fit, and he was such a great coach that he would be in the college football playoff at that point, that he would hold his own with Ohio State. That that hasn't happened to this point. Your thoughts on what he's done there and what the administration thinks and the challenges that he has there at Michigan? Well, um, yes, I think he's underachieved relative to what I thought he would be. thought it was a home run hire. I thought it was a can't-miss. And I'm not, you know, just it's a bonus to just throw in the fact that, hey, he's a Michigan guy, played for Bo. You know, that's great and cute. That's just as the cherry on top of the Sunday. Guy was an outstanding coach in the NFL, had that background. But look at the job they did at University of San Diego, goes to Stanford, and did something that, that, that no one has been able to do out at Stanford. I mean, you know, Dennis Green and Bill Walsh. Uh, really, really took that program to a very high level. And, uh, I mean, really coached the pants off of guys like Pete Carroll. With, with, and remember, I mean, I, it may be still one of the records. I don't know. It's, it, it's one of them, Dave. I, I, you know, remember the big, I think USC was a 28-point favorite, something in the high 20s, and Stanford beat them. Now, USC was number one. And, you know, the guy's an outstanding coach. I think he's done a better job at Michigan than people give him credit for. Or, but as I said, I thought going into year five, yeah, I thought we'd be seeing some 11 and one, 10 and twos, you know, maybe, you know, maybe not the first year or two, but I thought be kind of, you know, button heads with Ohio state, you know, one versus one, you know, beating each other. But it hadn't happened. It took them a little while to get over the hump at Michigan state. Will that continue? We'll see. Got it. Got them. Um, but you know, can that sustain that? The recruiting is good. It's not as good as Ohio State. We just talked about Ohio State. Let me say this. It's not the same. We throw in Michigan and Ohio State as because it's maybe the best rivalry in college football. Um, one of them. But, but their whole dynamic administratively is completely different. How they perceive themselves academically is a little different. You know, much like Texas kind of sees themselves as superior to everyone else academically, socially, you know, even that's how Michigan views themselves. There's a little bit more of a academic tone within the athletic department than say at Ohio state, Ohio state fans. I'm not saying you get, you know, that, that Ohio state's not good academic. They, 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 Ohio state's more football factory than Michigan will ever be you know, in terms of how they do it administratively. So it's not 
quite the same. With that said, no, I don't. I don't think Michigan under Jim Harbaugh has achieved what I thought they would achieved. Um, I, I think that the the biggest thing for me that I notice, it's different from his time at Stanford to Michigan. Is that Stanford? He just did a tremendous job with staff hires. He brought in guys he had background with, you know, David Shaw, who's now continued. Instead, people say, oh, could have been that good. You know, David Shaw's doing a really good job. Well, he is. He brought him there, and, and I think that what he established, David's been able to continue it. But that was that philosophy was put together by Jim and his staff that he hired. He hasn't hired quite as well on the offensive side at Michigan. And, and we've talked about this offseason. He's made a dramatic change, philosophical change, with Josh Gaddis. It was a little bit more of a – I don't want to call it a panic move, but it was more of an urgency move that we got to do something different because it hadn't worked offensively. He's made coaching changes that just hasn't worked on the offensive side. Hiring Don Brown for the defense has been great. Been really good. Recruiting, I'm going to tell you, they're recruiting about as well as you can recruit at at Michigan. Uh, They're they're living in New Jersey, Dave. Now he's hired the Paramus Catholic High School. I mean, they are absolutely killing it. They're making life miserable for Penn State and anybody there in Jersey. That that it's they are just killing it. Recruiting is very good. I mean, top seven, top eight, but it's not where Ohio State is. Ohio State's got better talent. Michigan right now is kind of where Florida is chasing Georgia in terms of the recruiting battle. But Michigan's got again a little bit more hurdles that they try to get through administratively from the academic side. So look, I I don't think it's been a disaster. I don't think people like Jim. Jim is not likable. He's quirky. He's goofy. He says dumb things. He, and you know, people say, uh, I mean, says things that don't make sense. Like if, you know, um, a worm had machine guns. Birds wouldn't be scared of him. Which he's got a little <laughs> bit of. He's got a li- he's got a lot of, and it makes you wonder if they were just too closely tied to Bo. And I love Bo. I told you um, on another podcast that that I had a chance to go to Michigan way back in the day, and I interviewed Gary Moeller was the head coach, and Bo was still around and interviewed with Bo. And so much respect for Coach Jim Beckler, but. But I, I've been around Les Miles and I've been around Jim. It, they kind of speak little Shem Beckler ease. And the, with Jim, you know, Les didn't make a whole lot of sense. Jim is kind of out there and says weird things that you just wonder, where did that come from? And guess what? He don't care. It's all, it's like, you know, rattling the cages and all that. that that's, you know, he just, why are you doing that when you can't even beat Ohio State? We know that. We know that their other coaches have had success against Ohio State. Ohio State's got it rolling. Um, and, and we'll see if Ryan Day can be as good as I think he can be. But I think all of that's contributed to the fact, yeah, he's underachieved. Yeah, the, the biggest thing you know about Jim Harbaugh is that, well, he hadn't won the big game. Uh, he collapsed, got the tar beaten out of him. They didn't, they didn't lose to Ohio State. They got pummeled by Ohio State last year after all the hype was coming in. Um, they, he talks a lot. They take these trips, which I think are great for, and that's kind of part of what I was saying. 
administration loves him taking the kids over to Paris and South Africa or wherever the heck he's taking them. They love that. They're very much an artsy, you know, we're going to give them a worldview. It's great. Nothing wrong with that. That's how, That's what the administration loves at Michigan. I, I don't, you know, at Ohio State, quite frankly, it's like, no, nah, let, let's take them a trip to the to the field house and let's practice them. I mean, they they there's a different tone and element there. They again, they think they're superior, and whether they are or not, that that's kind of how they view it. So, look, I still think, first of all, he is under no hot seat at Michigan. There is no scenario that he's not back at Michigan in 2020 or beyond unless Jim decides he wants to do something different. If he gets frustrated and he wants to go back in the NFL and he has that opportunity, I, you know, that'll be on him. But they're not firing him at Michigan. Uh, I think there's some of the fan base, the message board guys are not happy with them. And I get it. I just said it. He's underachieved. But he is under no pressure. I mean, he's under pressure. Every coach is under pressure. But it's not like, well, they don't do it. And I don't buy that. Well, if he doesn't beat Ohio State this year, he's never going to beat it. Look, that is a hurdle. I mean, I think beating Ohio State in the Big Ten is as tough as beating Alabama in the SEC. The difference is Ohio State has had the Iowa game, the Purdue game. We've seen Jeff Brom do it. We've seen Kurt Ferentz do it. Um, you know, Michigan can't seem to get over the hump against Ohio State. Uh, Alabama doesn't really lose those games unless there's some unusual circumstances. So, look, I, I still think that that Ohio State has the better recruiting resources and what they're able to do and who they're able to offer, and they uh, they are the best program, the most talented team in the Big Ten. And it's a bigger margin than people think, Dave. It really is. I mean, it's a talent gap that I don't think people quite get. They just think that Michigan, because, well, Michigan recruiting well. Oh, they're, they're, they're ranked seventh. They're good. That, that where you rank doesn't matter. It's where the quality of put, Ohio State's getting more of them. Michigan is – Jim is recruiting as well as anybody has ever recruited at Michigan in the modern era, ever. So he's getting it done there. I think getting the right mixture on that offensive staff has still been a work in progress, and it's held them back because the offense has not been Michigan-like. They've not been as dominant on the offensive line. They've not had the great, for all their great recruiting, they've done it on the defensive side. Where's the great Michigan back? Where is the back that you just say, yeah, that's the great Michigan back? It's been a long time. The quarterback situation, we know about that. You know, they're, they're maybe a little closer than people think, but yet they're a little bit further away in terms of kind of where their status is. So, look, that's my diatribe on Jim. Better than a lot of people think, uh, but, but certainly has not achieved what I think they should, you know, have to this point. And that's the reason why. I think it's staff hires hasn't been as good on the offensive side. And he's had to be patient with a couple of changes, and it hadn't worked out. We saw that at Alabama. We talked about with Nick Saban in our SEC podcast, and we hope you check that out daily. You know, Nick Saban made some hires that didn't work last year. They still made it to the championship game. But but it cost them maybe a, a national championship. Uh, the, the, the Lane Kiffin kind of, uh, you know, getting a little bit uncontrollable, maybe cost them a championship game one year there. 
Um, those things can happen. But but Nick Saban is on a different level of controlling it. Jim has not been the same type of guy and hasn't been able to find the right match on the offensive side to make this offense to be as good as Michigan is capable of being. So that's it. You can understand, well, maybe they're not as good as Ohio State, but it took them a long time to beat Michigan State. And it takes them – I still think that they're the second-best program in the Big Ten, better than anybody in the West. And, listen, we'll see what Ryan Day can do. Maybe Harbaugh can make up ground. But I think we, we're going to see offensively. There again, Dave, haven't we talked about it at nauseum? I mean, how is this offense going to work? It's going to work really good, or this is going to be a disaster with Josh Gaddis because it is not ideally what Jim Harbaugh likes to do. So is, if it doesn't go as well as nah. he wants, does he pull it back? I mean, I don't know. And that again, but that's the reason. It's easy to say, well, he hadn't got it done. Well, everybody knows that. That's the result. Why hasn't he gotten it done? Hopefully that gives you an idea of why it hasn't gotten done and the potential, you know, fire keg that it could be if it doesn't work or if it does work, it, it could kind of take him in a maybe a, a more eclectic direction on offense that going forward. Look, this is the guy that said, Colin Kaepernick, I like this guy. I'm going to I'm gonna run the ball with him. I'm gonna, and he did a lot of creative things with him. That creativity and is not been able to work this point at Michigan. You are locked on Big Ten football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It is your Locked On Big Ten football podcast. Penn State, the next team up that uh, Chris will offer a season preview of. So, Chris, what do you think of the Nittany Lions? Well, I, I think this is going to be a transition year. This is a team that um, has been had good on-the-field leadership with Trace McSorley. He's now with the Ravens, backing up Lamar Jackson. That's a that's a big void. And, of course, and, um, Tommy Stevens left. So it's Sean Clifford's offense to kind of run, and you know, from the quarterback position at least. And they're replacing a lot of guys. I've talked a lot about a guy like K.J. Hamler that I think can be a real big-time playmaker. He's small. You know, Smurf there and Ricky Slade, the, you know, and uh, they, they've, they've definitely have some talent. Love their tight end. James Franklin, like his energy. Um, we talked about, about, gosh, about a month ago, we've, we've documented it all the way through. For those of you who followed us on a day-in, day-out basis, we, we took you through the, the, the courses of Penn State losing commitments, losing commitments. They picked that up. They've, they've gotten a little better. He's a good recruiter. If James Franklin's not recruiting off the charts, then uh, then you're not getting your money's worth because that's what he is. He's not a great X's and O guy. It's not a that's not what his strength is. He's only as good as his assistants. I think they've lost a little bit of their edge on offense when Joe Moore had left to go to Mississippi State. I think Brent Pride does a good job running the defense. Like this linebackers, I think it's the best linebacking core in terms of a returning unit experience wise. In the Big Ten, I think um, Gross Mattis is a really good edge rusher. Um, look, I mean, it's. Uh, it, I, I think the program is in pretty good shape. I don't know that they're ever going to have a big game edge with James Franklin on the sidelines, but they're very capable of winning games from a talent standpoint. They're very good. They're they're not Ohio State good. They can match Michigan in terms of talent. Uh, not Ohio State yet, um, but they're really, really good. I look at them and say they've got a lot of speed. Uh, it's the 
best that they've looked since the sanctions in 2012 speed-wise. I love their depth at running back. I love their depth at receiver. Uh, I think they've got good pass rushers, and I think their defensive back is pretty good. This is a talented team, and and I think if they had a a great coach with this talent, man, I you know this is a team that's capable of winning the Big Ten. I, I don't, I mean, it really can challenge Ohio State, um, but you know they are so reliant upon maybe having that special type of player like McSorley. We'll see. Replacing him is going to be key. They've got eight freshmen and sophomores um, that are going to start on offense. So this is going to be an issue. I always look at special teams, coverage units, return units. Those are really significant in terms of coaching. They've been very poor on special teams. They they That kind of hurts them and costs them a little bit of an edge. So, look, I like their, their skill, like their speed. They make way too many mistakes. Um on the sidelines and in their preparation, their adjustments. So again, like the program, like the talent level, like the fact that they've changed it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know the edge and I will say this. You hear this a lot. I think James Franklin is the ultimate salesman. He, if you remember when a couple of years ago when it was pretty obvious that A&M was going to have a coaching change. Well, I can tell you from the inside that Scott Woodard and Jimbo Fisher, that was going to happen. You know, that, that was, that was happened. That was it. There was one candidate and that was the guy and that was it. It was floated out there by James Franklin through his agent. James Franklin's the guy going to leave Penn state for, you know, that's, that's who A&M one of the guys they're going to target. No truth to that. That's the 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 lies that agents tell you to kind of promote their coach. Because I think no, James, agent, it, agents don't lie. Chris. Now only when their lips are moving. Um, <laughs> I, 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 that was that was a big part of I think James. And I'm saying this. Everybody says Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer going to USC. The guy that's going to angle for that job behind the scenes is James Franklin. Got ties to the West Coast. He would love to be able to sell himself to Len Swan and the USC folks. And, you know, he might be willing to do it. And why would he do it? I think he knows that at some point, as good a job as he's doing, I think they're starting to get a little frustrated with James. He tends to be a little bit too, a little bit too kind of uh, fire brimstone. As they say uh, in Texas, what, uh, all hat, no cattle, or more sizzle than steak. That's James Franklin. Don't Johnny mean to take Majors. a shot at Johnny Major's favorite saying was uh, he's like a hat without a cowboy. Well, there you go. There you go, Johnny. Get <laughs> pulling old Johnny Majors out of there. So I listen, I, I, I think he would love to parlay the success to get another job in an extension because I don't know where this is headed with Penn State. I mean, a couple of good years he could if anything else, he will use. All coaches do this. I get it. Saban's Jimmy Sexton did it with Texas to get more out of Alabama. But, you know, James lives for that because he knows that he's got to convince folks in the media. He's always wanting to convince folks in the media that he's better than he is. And you see, Texas A&M wanted me. And I think that you're going to hear a lot about Hank Franklin, USC. That's going to be, I don't know if there's going to be any legitimacy to it, 
but it's going to come from the from the Franklin side, and maybe they can convince him to be interested. But I think he's kind of ready to make his next move before the posse comes in and says, you know what, we need to make a next move. And you know what, we're going to go and get Matt Rule from Baylor and get one of our Penn State guys. Thank you for recruiting a great, you know, cupboard, but we're going to go get a better coach. I, don't be surprised with that. And again, don't take it as any disrespect to James. Coaches have their strength, they have their weaknesses. That's what I see with Penn State. Good season. I expect them to have a really good season. Um, where do they go in terms of a record? Going to be real interesting to see. Um, I look at their roster. I think that they've got as much talent as Michigan and more talent than everybody else other than Ohio State. Okay, we'll figure out where their record is at the end of the year. At Ohio State's probably a loss. Michigan at home, toss up. We'll see what their record is. I mean, talent-wise, they're 10-2, and 11-1. Let the chips fall where they may. That is your Locked On Big Ten football podcast. That sounds like the James Franklin that I got to know of Vanderbilt. So uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow for Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. Please leave us a review on whatever platform you're downloading. We would uh, love to hear from you. Have a fantastic day, everyone.